This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who is ready to defend her blondie bear tonight. And I'm Nevada, the girl who really thought this would be another instance of Miranda, where I went into it not liking someone and coming out of it liking someone. But I actually don't like him even more now, so we're going to fight. Bring it on. If you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler free, then this is not the podcast for you. So, here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, Sam. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume that you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question. But we'll be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. In today's episode, we're still in Kirkwall. And the subject of our episode is a tortured soul who has strong feelings about mages and goes all glowy when he's mad. Oh, it's not Fenris. It's Anders from Dragon Age 2. Did the Warden send you to bring me back? I'm not going. Those bastards made me get rid of my cat. Also pounce a lot. He hated the deep roads. A sentiment felt by all of us. We agree, Sir Pounce a lot. We hate the deep roads too. Anders is a human mage that we first met in the Dragon Age Origins DLC, Awakening. He was born and raised in a small village in Ferelden, although his father was originally from the Anderfells. Anders was a popular child and was often seen surrounded by other kids. When he was 12, his idyllic childhood was rudely interrupted one day when he accidentally set a barn on fire with magic. As we know all too well, magic is to be feared in these Andrastian lands. So, while his mother wanted to protect young Anders, his father grew to fear him. He called the Templars. And not long after, little Anders was torn away from his family with only an embroidered pillow to remember his mother. So sad, I can't imagine that. Anders refused to speak once he was brought to the circle, so the other circle mages began calling him the Ander on account of his paternal heritage. Eventually, he just became Anders. He despised the circle, seeing it as a prison rather than the refuge the adults tried to convince him it was. His first escape attempt was six months after his arrival, and he did succeed in escaping for a time. He was recaptured, but not before he managed to save the life of Ban Farinley, and he got a pendant. Yay, prison, but with ribbons. When the circle mages asked why he had escaped... He had cried, saying that he just wanted to go home. This is a 12, maybe 13-year-old boy, locked up away from his family, and told he is a monster simply for being able to do magic. 
Anders eventually made a friend, an older boy named Carl. They were inseparable and eventually became more than friends. You'd only know that if you play as a male hawk, though. We'll play the difference between the two hawks the first time Anders mentions Carl to you in a little bit. Once Anders had Carl in his life, he stopped trying to escape the circle. Carl was older, so he went through the harrowing before Anders. The harrowing is the final test a circle mage must undergo in order to graduate to some life outside of the circle. It's kind of like the military, though. You get posted to different places. Carl was posted to Kirkwall's gallows, and Anders did not take their separation well. He began his escape attempts again. He could break out of the circle, no problem, but the Templars always caught up with him sooner or later. His sixth escape attempt resulted in him being forced into solitary confinement for an entire year. His only companion was the Circle Tower's mouser, Mr. Wiggums. Aw, this is where his love of cats came from. According to Anders, Mr. Wiggums was later possessed by a rage demon and took out three Templars. Oops. When we first meet him in the Awakening, he is surrounded by dead Darkspawn and Templars during the assault on Vigil's Keep. He promises that he only killed the Darkspawn and that it was Mr. Wiggums who took out the Templars. <laughs> oh, that's his one shining spot for me is he's a cat person. <laughs> Anders becomes a companion during this massive DLC for Dragon Age Origins. And you can even use the Rite of Conscription to make him a Grey Warden and keep him from being arrested by the Templars. This DLC has a lot of major plot things in it, including Anders meeting the Spirit of Justice that later comes to possess him. This is also where the Warden can give Anders a kitten that he names Sir Pouncelot. I love that name. This DLC can also end with Anders dead, hailed as a war hero but losing a drinking contest, a Grey Warden that leaves the Wardens and is branded an apostate. They have multiple choices here. Regardless of the choices in Awakening, Anders prior to Dragon Age 2 becomes a Grey Warden, meets Justice, and survives, and has to give up Sir Pounce a lot to a friend in Amaranthine, because the Wardens say it made him too soft. Stupid Wardens. The Chantry protests his presence in the Grey Wardens until they compromise and allow a former Templar named Roland to join him on all of his assignments. And this is when he merges with Justice. Unfortunately, Roland witnesses this, saying even the Wardens can't harbor abominations. Justice overcomes Anders and he kills Roland, the Templars, and the Wardens that were there to subdue him. Mm-hmm. He kind of finds himself at, like, a pile of bodies a lot of the time, unfortunately. He has a rough go of things. And honestly, between the hubris of young people and the trauma of being a mage in Ferelden, I am really, really not surprised that he turned to justice and believed he could control it. Despite this, Anders in Act 1 of Dragon Age 2 is someone who is trying to make a positive impact on the Ferelden refugees. Because if you don't remember, beginning of Dragon Age 2 is at the same time as the Blight that's happening during Dragon Age Origins. He is using his healing abilities to care for the refugees free of charge. 
In exchange for freeing Carl from the Kirkwall Circle, Anders promises he will give Hawk some Grey Warden maps to show possible deep roads entrances. This quest is called Tranquility, and it is the first time you get to witness justice in action firsthand. When you reach the Chantry at night to rescue Carl, you discover that Carl has been made tranquil. Let me explain tranquil. In Dragon Age, you can sever a mage's connection to the Fade, thus preventing them from ever using magic again, and rendering them harmless. However, when you dream, you enter the Fade as well. So a person who has been made tranquil is unable to enjoy life. They are emotionless and flat, robotic servants to the Chantry. It is a fate worse than death to mages. It sounds horrible. Justice kills the mages, and Anders can put his dear friend Carl out of his misery, depending on player choice. When you return to Anders' clinic, he finally explains his connection to Justice and how what was once a friendship has become an eternal struggle for control. I've said this before on the show, but as my boy Solus has said, spirits that are twisted from their purpose become demons. Spirit of wisdom becomes a pride demon. Spirit of justice becomes vengeance. Anders admits that his anger has warped justice into vengeance, and he is balancing on a knife's edge. If he falls, he becomes an abomination. Here's part of that conversation with a female hawk. I hope I didn't seem too selfish when I told you about justice. I didn't know what would happen. I figured a willing host, a friend. It had to be better than playing the demon and haunting some corpse. Well, he can't complain about his looks anyway. No, don't go there. That's not going to end well. I don't want to hurt you. Hurt me? I might like it. No. You saw what I did in the Chantry. That's who I am. A year ago. Maybe we could have had something. But I'm not that man anymore. I'll break your heart. And that might kill me as surely as the Templars. Oh, so sad. Okay, so remember how we mentioned that this goes differently with a male hawk? You may remember that we first heard about this difference from our interview with Ben Sabin. Go listen to that episode if you haven't already. And here is the receipts for that. This is with Male Hawk. And I would like to say that this is literally the exact same moment in the scene. We didn't move the timeline at all, but it's just how that conversation goes. I hope I didn't seem too selfish when I told you about justice. I didn't know what would happen. I figured a willing host, a friend... It had to be better than playing the demon and haunting some corpse. Well, he can't complain about his looks anyway. Growing up in the Circle, everything is about order and rules and the Templars. The Apprentices. We found ways to make that bearable. Carl and I, he was the first. We could forget that, out in the world, we were nothing but Templar slaves. We hadn't been together for a long time. But still... It hurt. You and Carl. I've always believed people fall in love with a whole person, not just a body. Why would you shy away from loving someone just because they're like you? Does it bother you that I've been with men? I'm just glad it didn't take me any longer to find out. A lot to discuss there. One, 
Mm-hmm. I I have a love hate relationship with love hate relationship with this so much because I love the fact that Anders is just like, who cares what type of body you have? If I fall in love with the person, I fall in love with the person, and I love that level of representation. I do not like the fact that it assumes that straight is the okay way. That straight doesn't have to be explained. Because he doesn't explain to female Hawk that, yeah, I've dated men before. Because why would that matter to you? You're a woman, so it's just assumed that I'm going to be attracted to women. But he feels it necessary to explain that, yes, I have dated other men in the past, and so I need to explain this to Hawk, to a male Hawk. But I do think that they handled it well in that aspect, because... I could see it being another thing that Anders might hold as being shameful and being worried to express about himself. Like, he's a mage. He's an apostate. He's a former Grey Warden. He's, I guess in this case, he would he would be Pan. I would classify him as Pan because if he's saying that it's the body itself that does not matter at all, that means that he's attracted to any and all genders. Um, yeah. I could say flavors of demisexual, too, just because he fell in love with the person, not the body. Funny, that's what he said, you know? Yep. It's just crazy how different those two conversations are, like, the as in the tone, the overall tone. Like, Anders to female hawk being like, don't love me, I'm just gonna hurt you, is so, I hate it so much. And he comes off completely differently to male hawk. Like, I really like what he says, I don't like that he feels like he has to explain himself. Like, oh, are you bothered that I was with men? Even though you just flirted with him as male hawk, so it really shouldn't... That I feel like that shouldn't have been said, but, you know, like, it still sucks that it's coming from that place of, like, he's kind of ashamed and having to justify why he fell in love with somebody with, like, the trauma of the circle and they found comfort where they could type thing. I just don't understand why you wouldn't get that story as female hawk either it's the same situation right yeah it's the exact same situation because no matter what the mission after that or is it after or before that you go to see carl i think it's after but it, i literally like that's why i put the when i time stamped the clips i had to start at the same point where he's talking about having justice have a willing host and the exact same flirt option is said by both male and female hawk saying well he can't complain about the body but then what ander says back is totally different depending on who you are and if you're female hawk you never ever know that about carl you just think he's his friend and i have heard that the argument is that you know they wanted to make it apparent that anders was an option for both male and female hawk and that if it wasn't clearly stated izzy is by right off the bat she's flirting with everybody and she's very upfront about it fenris has never been with anybody and he explains to people I don't know what I like. So being with a woman or a man is on the table. I don't remember what Meryl says to a female hawk, though. And I apologize for that, that I didn't do further research on it. But I feel like Anders would be and kind of looks like what we would classify as stereotypical straight dude in the game. So I feel like if they didn't put that, I'm bi or... Yes, male hawk, I am gay towards you. In the game, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have come out. I don't know. 
video game mechanics. Screwing over bisexual people since 2000, whatever. I just want to bring up what Yuri Cat said in chat, saying that in Awakening, he specifically says he wants to settle down with a pretty girl. And I kind of think that this dialogue choice, like in the interview with Ben, he used it as an example of by erasure, which it definitely is. But I believe it was obviously unintentional. Like, I don't think they went out to be like, we're going to do this because by erasure, you know, I think because they chose to make the companions player sexual, they kind of had to shoehorn that in. And the only way that it made sense to do it for Anders was to just have that dialogue choice be different so that male hawk players would be like, oh, okay, so we can romance him too. Like you were saying, I think that's literally the only reason it exists. It's just very different. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, that line from female hawk, I kind of love it. Hurt me. I might like it. I have a whole I thought of you. head cannon about that line. <laughs> And this is the first time that you can flirt with Anders. The conversation marks the first time that Anders would tell you that you shouldn't love him. Get ready for that to play on repeat, because apparently I need it bashed into my brain a little bit more. So, when Hawk and friends go to the deep roads at the end of Act 1, Anders can prevent the tainted sibling, either Bethany or Carver, from dying if you have brought both Anders and the sibling along. Anders also tells you that he actually stole the maps from the wardens because he was afraid that they were searching for him. Anders can also convince Stroud to let Hawk's sibling undertake the joining. So far, just positive things, positive things in Act 1. That wraps up Act 1 for Anders. Three years later, in Act 2, Anders is a part of the Mage Underground and is helping mages escape the gallows. He still has his clinic in Darktown, but the people who come to him for help are less and less. He also starts writing a manifesto. Hawk will find copies of it all over their Hightown estate. Anders will admit that he is losing control over justice. I don't know, angry white men writing manifestos are definitely a huge red flag for me. Just going to put that out there. He's getting closer and closer to the darker parts of his anger. Unfortunately, by the end of this game, he is a far cry from the witty and flirty cat lover he once was in Awakening. And I am saddened by that. I'm going to blame Justice. I think that's why. They're one and the same at this point. Anders slowly becomes more extreme as the plot progresses, and one could argue that it is the influence of justice turned vengeance, and that is probably true. But the fact remains that Anders and Justice are no longer two distinct beings, so it is impossible to separate their actions and the associated responsibility. This is highlighted in Anders' next personal quest called Descent where he has asked Hawk to help him investigate an alleged plot to turn all mages and Kirkwall, and eventually all of Thetis, tranquil. The offending Templar is named Sir Alric, and it turns out that Anders is right! What the fuck? Once you've defeated the Templar extremist, you can find proof that he proposed the tranquil solution. 
but thankfully, it was rejected by the Chantry. Yeah, it's definitely some Holocaust flavors right there. Um, if you want to know, like, the gravity of the mage situation in Kirkwall at this point. Um, it also kind of pisses me off that the jerk ass is right. <laughs> That's like a, a trope, actually. Like, because he is being very extreme. I mean, we'll get to how extreme he gets. But at this point, he's still getting there. And he was right. So it kind of makes it hard to write him off because you're like, but you were right about this. So but when you encounter Sir Ulrich, he's trying to make an escaped circle mage named Ella tranquil. Because that's like his new hobby, apparently. And obviously, when Anders sees this, he can't handle it. So justice bursts out and destroys all the Templars. And unless you have high enough friendship or rivalry with Anders, Justice will kill Ella too when she calls it a demon. Anders will flee the scene, terrified of what's happened and what he's done. When you find him again, he's having a breakdown in his clinic, convinced he's become a monster. You can show him the proof of Sir Ulrich's plan, and that gives him some hope that the Grand Cleric may be more reasonable than he initially thought. If only he meant that when he said it. Anders and your interactions with him change quite a bit depending on friendship or rivalry, to an extent that the other companions just don't experience. For instance, at the end of Act 2, if you're rivals, the final conversation with Anders is him writing his manifesto and trying to convince Hawk to side with the mages. He'll even read it out loud to you. But if you're friends, putting milk out for the local community cats... And thanks, Hawk, for their help and support. Kitties! Either way, Anders will continue on with his one-track mind, both in regards to mage rights and trying to push a flirty Hawk away. With tensions between the Templars and mages of Kirkwall rising, due in no small part to Anders, he will keep telling you that he likes you. But you shouldn't like him back. I would drown us in blood to keep you safe. You don't think we should start with flowers? Jewelry? If that's the man you're looking for, you're in the wrong place. There will be more violence. I know that. If you tie yourself to me, I'll only hurt you. Nothing would hurt as much as losing you. You don't want to do this. I have no control around you. You could have a normal life. You don't want to be with an apostate. Don't tempt me. Not unless you're ready for what that means. I don't like it. I really dislike that kind of conversation right there. And I really dislike Anders' romance. I'm not going to say I hate Anders, but I don't like the romance. I don't like that he's literally telling Hawk how they should feel and simultaneously professing his great care for Hawk whilst also trying to push Hawk away. Anders displays a lot of what is called anxious attachment, meaning the thought of being alone or without the partner causes anxiety. It can sometimes manifest as codependency, but not in Anders' case. In fact, he sends a lot of mixed signals. He'll tell you that he's yearned for you for three years, and yet the entire time, any time you've expressed interest, he's tried to convince you he isn't good and it will only hurt you. I can think of another mage that does something similar. I will address that whole other thing later on in the episode. I just don't like being told how to feel. I think that's a red flag, too. <laughs> and here is another example on how different we are. I 
love the fact that he's direct about it. He straight up tells you, I'm not good for you. I'm prone to violence. I make bad decisions and I'm no longer in control. And Hawk and me are dumbasses who go, okay, but I can fix you. I can make you better. <laughs> I see this trope and I accept that it is one of the stupid ones that I fall for. But I think you just summed it all up beautifully in the why Anders is my dumbass is because I fell for it. I fell for this trope. And it is the narrative trope that embodies this aspect of Anders is summarized by the phrase, I can't believe you'd notice a person like me. And if that is not a call out to my high school self, it's often used for the hot jock showing interest in the awkward nerd or something along those lines. Yeah, think Taylor Swift in her music video, You Belong With Me. Anders is heavily implied to have a crush on Hawk from the start, and that's not exactly uncommon. Meryl did too, and so did Izzy. And usually romance options are all too willing to love the protagonist, because hey, it's a video game, and the main character needs that affection and attention, and I'm the main character. (laughs) Yeah, give me that sweet, sweet validation, NPC. Anders might embody that music video, but honestly, when I was thinking about Anders, as for songs, I think of his romance when I hear Sugar We're Going Down by My Beloved Fall Out Boy. It's like my favorite band ever. Particularly the lyrics, don't mind me, I'm watching you two from the closet wishing to be the friction in your jeans. And also that whole bit about the God complex. We'll get to that. Anders will berate Meryl or Fenris if you flirted with him, but chosen to romance them instead. He doesn't mind you sleeping with Isabella because in his words, it's just understood. In fact, he's probably slept with Isabella too. He's also the only romance option that will actually get rivalry points if you don't flirt back with him at the first opportunity. Everyone else is like, eh, okay, if you turn them down, but not deeply insecure Anders. He's got good reasons to be insecure, but still, he's insecure. Okay. I don't like that, that you get rivalry points for not flirting with him. And he's the only one that does it. I was shocked when I saw that. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's kind of incel behavior. I'm just going to call it. He thinks you should like him back. And when you don't, he's pissed at you. I have no words. Uh, You can keep insisting on flirting with Anders if you choose, as I do. And eventually, like all the romances in Dragon Age 2, you will get your night of passion in Act 2. Anders is still baffled that Hawk would choose him after knowing all that they know. I thought with justice, this part of me was over. I can't give you a normal life. If you're with me, we'll be hunted, hated. The whole world will be against us. If your door is open tonight, I will come to you. If not, I'll know you took my warning at last. I will come to you. I will come for you. I will come with you. I will make you come to me. <sighs> Lots of coming. <laughs> but before we get there. It's very dramatic. It is. I love his drama. I don't. It's like a romance novel. Like one of the free ones on Amazon Kindle Unlimited. 
that's all right now it is shots fired oh my god you're gonna come at me with the free version on kindle <laughs> let's go to a mid-break oh let's get some anders fun facts here hmm Despite hating blood magic users in Dragon Age 2, Anders can actually learn the blood magic specialization in Awakening, which is a little bit weird. Um, it definitely highlights just how different Anders has become between the two games. And he also first meets Isabella in the Pearl. The Pearl, the Pearl, the Pearl. The pretty little brothel in Denerim during one of his many escape attempts from the Circle in GA2, they actually have some party banter where they pretty much confirm that they slept together. But as Anders put it, Izzy looked a lot different back then. Unrecognizable, honestly. Uh, I love those little lampshades of like, we changed everyone's character design. <laughs> During the Witch Hunt DLC of Dragon Age Origins, one of the books in the Circle Library contains the notes of a young mage who drew Templars being eaten by a tiger named Sir Pouncelot. Doesn't take a rocket science to figure out who drew that. I want to see it. I want to see the little tiger drawing. <sighs> I wish we knew more of Anders in those days prior to justice, for many reasons that we will get to. Yeah. And now it is time to thank our amazing patrons, Toasty and Apollo, Shanko and Mystheos, Win and Bat Knight and Lizzie. And our newest, as of just a few hours ago, Rydell. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our patrons are the best in the world. Big love. Major shout outs. All right. Are we ready to get back into Anders? Or have him get back into us? <laughs> All right. You're here. I wasn't sure you would come. Justice does not approve of my obsession with you. He believes you're a distraction. It is one of the few things on which he and I disagree. So he's kind of an unwilling participant in our threesome. Please don't call it that. Are you sure you want me here? Did you decide you wish something more than a quick tumble with Isabella? She meant nothing to me. You're the one I love. When I was in the circle, love was only a game. It gave the Templars too much power if there was something you couldn't stand to lose. It would kill me to lose you. This isn't going to fix that. No mage I know has ever dared to fall in love. This is the rule I will most cherish breaking. One, it's hilarious that the dog barks when he says distraction. That was just perfect. But I also want to say, Hawk, you shithead. Izzy didn't mean nothing. There is a big difference between a person is meaningless to, yes, it was a, just a short, fun time together. And that's all that it was. So, fuck off, Hawk. <sighs> Did not like that at all. 
I am not offended by Anders' question, though. He has the right to know if we are entering into this monogamously, or if Hawk still has feelings for his former flame. I am all riled up. But moving on. This scene is very similar to Meryl's in the sweet walk to the bed. It's not wall slams or weapon removal. Hawk grabs his hand and they walk towards the bed and Hawk lays down and Anders crawls on top. It's not exactly what I have dubbed as the Bioware body crawl, but it's close. I would also like to say that it has a really sweet and touching moment that just makes the scene seem, the scene seem so real to me. Anders starts directly on top of you to where his left leg is pushing your right leg up and then he realizes that it's too much weight. So there is a clear shift of his hips so that way he's off to the side which allows Hawk's arm to reach up and stroke his back. It is a thoughtful, touching moment and then his left hand moves down and Hawk's left leg starts to move. And I know what those movements are. The rest of the night seems like it would have been amazing. Bioware, quit hitting the fade to black button. <laughs> well, we can give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that the rest of the night would have been amazing. <laughs> I like most of what he says here. I have a big problem with the word obsession. I think that's also a red flag. When he says, like, Justice has a problem with my obsession with you. Like, hmm. Hmm, I wouldn't feel comfy if a man said that to me. It's kind of classic heartthrob behavior, though. It's very, like, all or nothing. There's a lot of weight to everything. It's very important. A lot of Anders' romance dialogue, quite frankly, though, annoys and disgusts me. He is far too insecure and ridiculous. Out of all the companions, Anders is the least healthy romance option, in my opinion, and I stand by this. Sheikup, one of the hosts of the Dragon Age Lorecast, friend of the pod, has often said that no one in Dragon Age 2 should be romanced and everyone needs therapy. I agree with this for the most part, as far as everyone needs therapy. The game only allows the main romance plot to occur during Act 2, and I think that's three years too soon for Fenris and Meryl. For Isabella, she doesn't really want a romance, so it doesn't matter too much when that occurs, although she does and can fall for Hawk. Anders, though, I don't think he should be romanced. In fact, I question why anyone chooses to romance him, given he constantly tells you he sucks and you shouldn't love him. That's what he says to you all the time. Love, too, cannot fix demonic possession or low self-esteem. I know that I've joked in past podcasts of like, oh, my love can fix him, like with Johnny Silverhand, but in reality, it can't. And I don't see any motivation for self-improvement for Anders either to even warrant a chance at love. I am very empathetic to Anders. He has gone through so much. He, like so many in Thetis, has suffered tremendous trauma after trauma. But not too many choose to champion a good cause in the worst way possible. I just don't... Like, I think Anders as a person is fine. Whatever. But... He needs a lot of therapy, and I don't think, he, if unless justice can ever be removed from him, it's not feasible or even safe to be with him. Yeah. Okay. 
I love what Yuri is saying in chat, that Justice is like his anxiety demon. It is his, like, depression in the back of his head telling him that he's an idiot. He's stupid. Your obsession with this woman is not good. Your obsession with Hawk is horrible. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And so if I think about it that way, it also just makes me feel really bad for Anders also. So the demon switches from justice to vengeance. And I feel like vengeance is more vindictive. It's more of an asshole. And battling that demon internally, because he's externally, he's in control a lot of the time. I don't know. I just feel for him. And so many mm-hmm. of our companions do gain self-confidence through the help of the main character. You know, and yeah, it takes time. And hopefully you can put vengeance at bay and keep him away or find a way to remove him. The companions that gain self-confidence, they even more so if you romance him. Alistair is way easier to convince to become king if you are the one at his side. Tally becomes fearless enough to remove her mask if you romance her. And Carrie begins to create art that comes from the heart if you romance him. So I feel like Anders would be able to combat vengeance even more with a loving hawk at his side. Um, We're going to get to this about the difference between friendship and rivalry with Anders in particular. Briarcat also said people that suffer from depression have those kinds of dark intrusive thoughts and it doesn't make them undeserving of being loved. I agree with that. But there is a difference between loving someone through something and enabling them. Hawk can do either one of those things in Dragon Age 2. You can enable him or you can be a good enough friend to him to hold him accountable for the things he chooses to do without your knowledge. And also, it's not always a smart thing to like get into a relationship with someone at that point. They may look to you as a life raft in a torrential sea, and that is not healthy either. So sometimes love isn't always companionship in a romantic sense, and that's not always the best way. And the thing with Anders is like, in the context of Dragon Age, he has an actual demon in him. That's really the main problem I have. Like, I don't think any of these things that are really a big issue with him couldn't be overcome. The demon can't. The demon is really the big problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it would be interesting to see who Anders was without the demon. Like, you know, I mean, we get that a little bit in the beginning of Awakenings, but like who he would be now in Kirkwall without justice. But moving back to Kirkwall, getting our headspace there. Uh, Three years later after the scene, we find ourselves in Act 3 and Knight Commander Meredith has destroyed the Mage Underground, and Anders is preparing for the Mage Templar tensions to reach its peak. His personal quest this time is apparently to have Hawk gather ingredients to craft a potion that will permanently separate Justice from Anders, without harming the tool. Of course, if you've romanced Anders, you want to help him in any way possible, so you gather all the ingredients. For whatever reason, this potion also requires you to distract the Grand Cleric so Anders can get inside the Chantry without being seen. Even if you've romanced him, Anders will refuse to tell you what his plan is or what he's doing. Mm-hmm. If you've played this game, you know where this is going. Anders lied. 
Even more insidious is that he will hang your relationship over your head if you press him for information, saying, you don't love him if you don't help him, no questions asked. And to that I say, fuck that. If you say you won't help him, he'll say, I've always been on my own. For a time, I just forgot. Talk about blatant manipulation. This is called conditional love, people, and it's not love. There was never a potion. The things he asked you to get were ingredients for a bomb, and he blows up the chantry with everyone inside, including Grand Cleric Althena, the only person capable of potentially soothing relations between the mages and the Templars. The crazy thing about Dragon Age 2, there is a huge lack of player agency. No matter what you do, your sibling leaves in Act 1, the Canari hold the city hostage in Act 2, and Anders blows up the chantry in Act 3. You're left to pick up the pieces, which means you have to choose a side. This whole game, you've been shown the worst of both mages and Templars, so this choice is not an easy one. Anders, for being so against Templars and the lack of agency over his own life, has certainly turned the tables on everyone else. The trope he has become is aptly named the Knight Templar, which is essentially a well-intentioned extremist, when the good get blinded by their ideals and get a bit too hardcore. I told you I would break your heart. Just know it breaks mine to do it. I was hoping we'd find a better way, but... Justice and vengeance are too intertwined. I can't tell one from the other. You were the one shining light in my life. Never blame yourself for what will happen. Yeah. Anders does make some decisions that I can't defend. And... I don't know why. But I can't stop loving him, I guess? he's got some redeeming qualities to him and I out of all of them I think that he's just my choice you know but Anders might die here or you might spare him despite his desire to be punished for what he has done interestingly if Anders is a rival he will admit that justice took over and he is extremely guilty over what he has done. He begs Hawk to kill him, afraid of losing control and admitting he has become everything the Templars would say he would be. The worst thing a mage could become. An abomination. If he is a friend, though, he will insist that the bomb was his choice, because Justice and Anders are one and the same now. He wanted to force Theodos to see the injustice of the Circle, although he is still willing to be executed for his actions. Friendship and rivalry work differently from simple good or bad, renegade or paragon. I think it was summarized very nicely by Jennifer Helper, one of the writers on Dragon Age 2. As a general rule, the way friendship and rivalry works is that friendship means agreeing with and supporting the follower in what they want to do, no matter how crazy, illogical, dangerous to oneself or to others. Rivalry means opposing their big cause, often for the right reasons, so it is very possible to be a better friend to someone by choosing the rivalry path. Since you're trying to stop them from giving in to their own self-destructive whims. End of quote. 
This is exactly why a rival man standers, especially one forced to side with the Templars to try and atone for his actions, it offers him some much-needed introspection and accountability. A friend man standers may not even really love Hawk. This is the Anders that will not regret blowing up the Chantry and use your love for him as a means to his end. It's just crazy how different he reacts after the explosion, depending on if he's rivaled or friend, like a friend manse or rival manse. It's just, it definitely seems like a rivalry is the way to go for Anders. At this point, it's where you must choose to fight with the mages or the Templars. Anders is surprised if Hawk spares his life and allows him to fight alongside them against the Templars. While he enthusiastically kills Templars, he admits that this whole bomb thing is a lot worse than he thought it would be. He obviously would rather you side with the mages, though. This following romance dialogue is certainly dramatic and a perfect example of the all-or-nothing love Anders Manser seemed to swoon over. Hey, now. <laughs> Bear my life. If we live through this, you know I'll be hunted. No one in Kirkwall will offer me mercy. But... If you would join me, I'd rather be on the run with you than safe with anyone else. Then we will be fugitives together. We will fight for a world where our children can be born mages and free. Ten years, a hundred years from now, someone like me will love someone like you. And there will be no Templars to tear them apart. May the Maker bring us victory, or everything else is meaningless. That's good soup right there. Yeah. Everything else is meaningless. <sighs> Knight Commander Meredith uses Anders murder uses Anders's murder of the Grand Cleric and his bomb as an excuse to actually invoke the right of annulment, where essentially the Templars deem an entire circle of mages too dangerous. So they kill every last one. She wants to do that to the Kirkwall circle even though they had nothing to do with the bomb. She feels she has no choice, just as Anders felt he had no choice, although she is not any saint. The central theme of Dragon Age has always been that the responsible use of magic. Who gets to decide that and how much magic is safe? At the center of that is the bloody conflict between the Templars and the mages. Anders was a weapon unwittingly forged by every Templar that imprisoned him, and unfortunately, his actions affect the mages he was sworn to save. We know from our boy Garrus that the world is never black and white, but many shades of grey. Not all Templars are violent brutes who delight in assaulting and terrorizing their mage charges. Many are enslaved by the very system they are responsible for upholding, becoming addicted to the lyrium they must take to subdue errant mages. Not all mages are meek victims of Templar violence, either. There are many mages that cause horror and violence themselves. Anders included. Mm-hmm. It is extremely hard to pick a side, which is why I hated having to do so at the end of Dragon Age 2. Anders is an extremist. 
It's useless to try and determine which part of this horrible plan came from Justice or Anders. They're one and the same. I've already said I don't like Anders as a romance. I still don't. There are people who will compare Anders and Solus and call me a hypocrite for liking Solus but disliking Anders. And I'll admit, on the surface, they seem similar. Both are mages that started out trying to make the lives of their people better, working against their oppressors. Both have suffered incredible trauma and ostracization, even from their own group. Both have blown up a chantry. And both will warn you that loving them will only lead to a broken heart. There are people who say that intentions don't matter, only the hurt matters. That it doesn't matter how Solus or how Anders blew up the Chantry, the resulting loss of life is the same. The impact on people around them may be similar, but the intention and behavior of the two of them cannot be more opposite. Both Anders and Solus started out with hope and determination. The Anders hunched over a sick Ferelden refugee in his clinic in Darktown is unrecognizable from the Anders sitting lumpily on a wooden crate waiting for death as the Chantry turns to ash around him. Solus has only ever tried to set things right in his mind. Erecting the veil was a necessary step to protecting the people from the gods, but it was ultimately a mistake, and he's trying to rectify his mistake. The explosion that created the rift was a mistake. And while he never outright tells you, hey, I'm Fenharel, I made the rift, he does help you close it. He never sleeps with you or leads you on. He never holds the relationship hostage as a motivator to make you help him commit an act of terrorism. He knows he isn't being fully honest about who he is, so he ends the relationship before it can go any farther. There is a big difference between having secrets and intentionally lying to your partner. Solus's character arc is also not finished, so we can't say for certain that a romanced Solus won't be able to be swayed from a path he clearly feels is the only way to set things right. Anders, unfortunately, on the other hand, hasn't been seen since the end of Dragon Age 2, so his character arc is complete as far as we know right now. It reminded me of the journey of Abby and Ellie in The Last of Us Part 2. Both were on journeys of revenge but on different points in that path. They each went down a different fork on that path, though. Abby got her revenge and realized it didn't solve anything, and instead found new meaning for her life. Ellie grew increasingly obsessed and angry, never stopping when everything she cared for started disappearing from her life. Solus and Anders are similar in that they are both on the path of savior. However, Solus went down the fork of the godlike messiah, and Anders went down the fork of the demonic pariah. He unfortunately becomes the most hated companion, even by Varric, which is saying something. And that is the bed he has made for himself. It's hard to see those he wants to save hate him and fear him. I have a great amount of empathy for Anders, but I do not see how he can be redeemed unless there is some way to remove justice. For me, he'll still always be the man who approved of giving Fenris back to Daenerys. Yeah. I get it. I really, really do. In the comparison between Solus and Anders, you know, I've made the joke, uh, Anders breaks my heart, but Solus takes my arm. And, yeah. 
I I understand why Solus does what he does, and I understand why Anders does what he does. But I'd also like to point out that Varric, my Varric, still likes Blondie Ver. My Hawk, and um, and I also went into like a big rabbit hole of why isn't your lover with you in Inquisition, and like the reasoning for them not being there. Meryl was still in the alienage trying to help the refugees of Kirkwall. And that hawk wanted to protect her and said, stay home. I don't need you with me. Rude. If you love Meryl, why isn't she there? Izzy is off doing her own thing. We knew that that relationship was not going to be long term. Fenris... I don't know where he went. He's off into Vinter doing his own thing. Anders. Anders wanted to come with you. Anders said that he wants to be there, but Hawk made the decision that it's not safe for him to be around Corypheus again, and that the taint in him, it is not safe for him to be around. So he wanted to be there, but Hawk wouldn't let him. So at least my blondie bear tried to be with me again. I think what I meant when I said the Varric didn't like him is at the end in Act 3, he's just, it's kind of like Meryl 2. Like, Anders starts to isolate himself a lot and is just so genuinely mean to the other companions a lot of the time, as time goes on, that they just don't want to be around him either. So even Varric starts to be like, no, dude. Like, at, right before the bomb goes off when he tries to hand off his embroidered pillow to Varric. He's like, why would you give that to me? I don't want that. In which that was also sad because it's kind of like, you know, he's giving his possessions away because he thinks he's going to die. Yeah. See, and I got a different version of that scene in my playthrough. The way that I got it was uh, Varric was like, I can't accept a gift like this. You're going to keep this because we're all going to make it out of here. Mm. Yeah, see, it just really depends on how you're playing it too. You get completely different things. That's the thing that sucks about mages in Dragon Age too. Is like mages especially are so hard to like. There's so much bad that goes on, and and even if they're trying to do the right thing, they often just end up making everything worse. <laughs> Solus, I know it's hypocritical. Like I guess for me, I'm not even defending. Like Anders and Solus are pretty much just as bad in regards to what they want to do to the world. Solus definitely is more successful in his damage. <laughs> but as far as like who they are as people, I definitely think Solus is more mature and considerate. And as a rival, Anders, I think, genuinely likes Hawk. But as a friend, I think Hawk is just a tool. Like, it's so creepy how different the conversations are. I don't... He's just pretending so that Hawk can do what he needs to do but either way he still lies you know and I, that's just not a good thing to do to your partner but it also at the same time i can see why he would do that because once again when he says i've always been alone if you say you're not going to help him like he's never had a reason to trust anybody i just have a hard time like i can't i don't want to justify his actions because there are a lot of mages that grew up in the circle just like he did and not all of them let spirits into their body and i mean a lot of people might argue semantics but vengeance is a demon 
And it's pretty amazing that Anders has not become an abomination at this point. Like it's sheer will alone. That's, that's a testament to Anders, honestly, but he still has a demon in him and double whammy. He's also a gray warden and Corypheus is a thing, you know, like not all mages do that. A lot of mages go through the same shit he did. It's kind of like saying, oh, well, he committed this horrible act of violence because mental health issues. That's not why a lot of people have mental health issues and they're not violent at all. Yeah. Well, Anders didn't let a demon in. He let a spirit in. And it's been established in canon that the spirits and the demons are very, very similar, but they are different. And that a spirit can choose to leave while a demon is going to sink its claws in and isn't ever going to want to leave. Mm -hmm. But a spirit can become a demon. Right. So uh, he let a spirit of justice in and Anders even says, my anger changed him. It warped him, which I think is code for he became a demon of vengeance. You know, like he, it doesn't matter what the spirit was. It's not the same anymore now that it's in Anders. They both took the worst parts of each other and it exacerbated them. And now that's all that's left. Yeah. I think it will be very interesting if there's at least a little blurb or a something. They apparently were going to bring him back for Inquisition at some point, but they didn't. Part of my research, I found this unofficial concept art because it was scrapped. That's why they were able to release it of Anders. And he was, like, not looking good. He was, like, coming out of a cave, looking full hermit with a full beard, and he was missing his arm. And I'm like, what the hell has happened to Anders? Also, another headcanon, I guess, is he could be in in the Tevinder Imperium because he kind of idolized that system a little bit. Because it must be nice to think of a place where mages are actually respected versus just feared. Even though we know Tevinder Imperium sucks. Also, nobody's got the right system down right now. I would hope that we can see him again. I would hope that we could remove Justice because the Anders in Awakening is definitely someone I would romance and befriend and all that jazz, but he did not come out of Dragon Age 2 good, you know? Like, everyone else improved and his character development just, like, went bad. Yeah, I mean, that's my boy. I still like him a lot, though. And I think we've said it. We do still have one more Dragon Age character to cover. Um, I think that Sebastian will be a short little topic to talk about, uh, cause he is only, he is a DLC character and he is only romanceable by a female hawk. It is a chaste romance. And I think even in the expanded, uh, super edition that I picked up of Dragon Age 2, I don't even have his DLC, so I can't play him either that or I can't find his trigger mission. So it should be interesting for sure to talk about Sebastian or very uninteresting and we just won't release an episode. I never even had that DLC, so he's nude me. One point in his favor is the Scottish accent. Mm, you're right. And but, I, I, the minor research that I have done is that he used to be a major man whore and now he took the life of the cloth. You know, born again Christian, essentially. A born again Chantrian. <laughs> yeah, a born again Androstian. Androstian, <laughs> yes. Okay, Sebastian. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see you. One thing that's interesting is if you spare Anders and you have Sebastian, he will like leave your party and declare war. He's like, I'm going to come back with an army from Starkhaven. You just wait. 
I don't think that ever comes to fruition because we never heard anything about that. No, I think there's a table, a war table mm. thingy, but no, not like an actual army. I have been doing outside research. I've been doing my job. But he's just kind of boring. DLC romances are always weird. All right. Do we have any more thoughts on Anders? I just want to make it clear that I just don't like his romance. It's not like I hate Anders. I don't hate Anders. I feel really bad for him. Like, every possible thing that could go wrong has gone wrong for him. All right. I have said this in private chats and in DMs. And my only defense of Anders, honestly, in 100% truthfulness, if I take away all of the bullshit with the Chantry and all of that, Anders is my ideal person. If you were to craft and put together all the little things, hmm, openly flirtatious, bisexual, Open to non-monogamy, because he talks about the threesome with Isabella, has a switch that can flip to go from Mr. Nice Guy to shut the fuck up and listen to me right now and do what I say. Anders is my dream, man. If only he didn't blow up the Chantry or have some really racist views on some things. I can't put it out there beyond that. Fair. You're allowed to like Anders. I think Vengeance yeah. would make an amazing Dom. <laughs> <laughs> Straight? I mean, that's, that's what I got. I like Anders because he's hot and would make an amazing Dom. Jen, 2022. <laughs> 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 oh, yep. And I think that is where we will wrap up the show for tonight. So if you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Or give us a rating on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me in the Cyberpunk Lorecast channel with my co-host Toasty. And of course, in our Two Girls One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. Come give us a follow on all of the social medias. Maybe not all of them now. We need to discuss if we're going to keep our Twitter and which other socials we will start creating. But as for right now, we're still up on Twitter and Instagram and patreon.com slash two girls one ship links to those are in the description i'm on the robots radio discord as well and on our own two girls one ship discord server where we nerd out on all our favorite cgi significant others be sure to check out our live streams on twitch on wednesdays and fridays at 10 30 p.m eastern time 7 30 p.m pacific time or watch the youtube video a few days after the stream our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So, thanks for listening. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. <sighs> Certainly was this week. <laughs> Welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi, I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. 
Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at 3 Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using 3CountThoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell. <laughs>